What is it? You are all laughing people always, eh? It's nice to be in the midst of people who laugh. At least there is someone to cry. You are right, when you cry we laugh, when we laugh you cry, when we cry you laugh. When the children come crying we laugh, when the children go laughing we cry. When a soul comes into this world as a baby, it comes crying and it should cry if it... If it doesn't, it will get a slap. The doctors know it. So that means they come crying and we are all laughing. We just go and distribute candies and say, there is one more addition to our asylum. And then after having lived in this asylum for a long time, getting all this retreats and treats and treatments and so on. Hmm? When they get liberated and say goodbye, they laugh and say goodbye and go happily, while we, the remaining, cry. Hmm? Imagine, when a soul comes crying, we laugh. When the soul goes laughing, we cry. And that's why we are called insane. Life is like that, because birth is a bondage. Nobody would want to take a birth. Death is liberation. People want to get liberated. Don't think the life is like, is something joyful. It's a constant experience, ups and downs. You get tossed between the dualities, pleasure and pain, profit and loss, appointments and disappointments, ease and dis-ease, constant dualities. We are being roasted. And that is where we come from. And uh, people who know the secret, the purpose of birth and death, they learn from every experience and they ultimately get their degree and pass out. So it is a sort of serious business, at the same time it's a fun.
life is to be taken like that. The entire creation is like that. It's all filled with names and forms, like a sea filled with waves. If you just raise above these names and forms or dive under the name and form, you see the same essence everywhere. We are all the product of the same essence. The only difference that we have is the name and form. the difference in makeups, but essentially we are the same. The pure self, the pure I is the same in everything, in everybody. The superficial additions to that I differs. It is to rea realize that essential unity, essential oneness behind all these variations, behind all these diversities, to recognize that unity is the purpose behind all these so-called religious or spiritual or philosophical approach. You simply call it in different names. You may call it yoga, you may call it Vedanta, call it spirituality, call it religious, call it science, label it with in different isms. But the purpose behind all these approaches, all these labels, is to recognize, to experience that spiritual oneness, that essential oneness, the one that appears as many. Without that recognition, without that realization, we can never, never experience that supreme peace and abundance joy. Only in that reality, in that experience, in that realization, we have that unending peace, undisturbed peace, and everlasting harmony. And that is what you call yoga.
or religion. That means that essence should be recognized in us as ourselves, first of all. It's not to look outside. It's impossible to recognize that essential oneness outside without oneself recognizing that essence. We should acquire that I, as the Hindu scriptures put it, the Divya Sakshu, the Divine I, the I of Spirit, the I of God, the Godly Vision. We can never see the essence outside. First we have to get that clear vision. So all these differences, varieties are in the eyes of the beholder. If you find that peace within you, if your eyes are filled with that peace and joy, you will just see peace and joy everywhere. Let's go to the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning there was God and nothing but God. Right? That's how the Bible says. In the beginning there was God and nothing but God. Imagine. You, you have to really uh, imagine that. There was God and nothing, nothing, nothing but God. That means everywhere is God and God and God, nothing but God. That means there is only one all over. God. Fine, yes, that's true. So what happened? God. Wherever he looked, he looked God, only God, God, God. So God looked everywhere God and nothing but God. Just put yourself in that position. <laughs> if, if, if you are allowed to see just yourself, only yourself, everywhere, everywhere, whatever you see, nothing but you, won't you get bored? Huh? Even if you are allowed to remain in one room for a whole day, you get bored, you get dizzy. And fortunately, God was not an exception to that. He really got bored. He did get bored. 
And that is why he said, my God, what am I doing here? <laughs> eh? <laughs> I'm bored, there's not, no fun here. Eh? I must really do something. Let me create something. That is the beginning of creation. See? It might appear that I am a little humorous or joking, but see the reality behind, the truth behind. The truth is there was nothing but God one time, and then why should he create? Question him. There was nothing but God. And all of a sudden one day he said, come on, let me create the world. Why? The reason is there was no fun. He really got bored. So he said, all right, let me have some fun. And then he started creating. He created the skies, created the earth, waters, sun, moon, stars. And he thought that he will have some fun. Uh, he looked around, everything was beautiful. Everything was beautiful, nice. Still no fun. <laughs> then he created some vegetations, plants, herbs, flowers, fruits, waited. No fun. <laughs> uh, look at that, see? They are all just sitting there around. <laughs> they don't demand anything. Eh? They don't ask for recognition. They don't say, hey, come look at me, eh? how beautiful I am. No, they are just sitting there quietly. Again, that was a little boring to him. Then he started creating all the animals, at least the moving things and flying things would create some fun. No. Even there he in a way got disappointed. A beautiful garden, garden of Eden with all flowers, fruits, animals, birds. No. He said, still boring. What should I do? Yeah, I think I, I really must have some fun. So, let me create somebody like me, in my own image. And I think somehow Bible assumed that God must be a human being, and precisely a male, excuse me, that's what even the Pope says now. So when he started creating somebody like him, he created man in his own image. I'm just quoting Bible. He created the man in his own image. That means he was a man. That's why he, the father, we say always. But now it's being questioned. Why father? Why not the mother? Why not she be the mother in the heaven? But the serious thinkers did question even thousands of years before 
when some said he some did say no he must be she too then again some came forward why only he and she why cannot be an it he could be an it too and because we don't really see it close by it must be at that see if you read the hindu scriptures thou art that tat tvam asi that but that is a little too far so it is okay because we are close by and that is why we also got the very first name anit our very first name was anit and last name also is going to be anit when your mama started developing her belly everybody asked what is it going to be <laughs> isn't it so you were inside you were inside everybody asked what is it going to be that was your first name huh? until the delivery happened and the nurse came forward and told you it is a baby it is a girl so then it became a girl or a boy see your very first name was an it and that's why when you begin with something you end up with that same thing towards the very end what do they say take it away it come as an it go as an it because you are the you are the outcome of that it and some people call it id they don't want to use the very hard letter so they put id and that is the id <laughs> if god had an id that is the id it so god is he she it there's a great work by call sivagnana bodham in the hindu philosophy and one of the verses plainly puts it this way avan aval adu he she it and still beyond because it can never be denoted it can never be grasped by the mind it can never be completely expressed by the words avang manasa gocharam so that god when for the convenience sake we still use the he theme when he created everything out of what did he create everything logical there was nothing but god before and then he started creating out of what 
not like a potter creating some pots out of clay or a carpenter creating some furniture out of wood he could not have created the world out of something if that is so then who created that something would be the question probably a, a super a pre a god before him no so you can't answer that question so that means god became everything he himself expressed as many things and that is why we say god is omnipresent he is not present in everything but he present as everything so essence is the same okay when god created man did he have fun sure <laughs> until then he never had fun he really got what he wanted and much more <laughs> yeah he created man in his own image and he really wanted some fun and that is the reason why he told the man something what when he took that little boy around the garden of eden he really wanted to communicate eh, to him everything that he did so he said look at my boy look at my son this is my flower this is my creation this is my tree this is my animal the boy yes papa is so all beautiful beautiful boy. a rose is look at papa and at one point he looked at a beautiful tree laden with fruits is this papa a lot of fruits mm. <laughs> i assume that must have happened so immediately the lord held his hand and said hey don't salivate <laughs> you don't need to eat the fruit remember that see the the biblical sayings the words in the bible need not be exactly logic sometimes it's it's told in a simple way but we should take the exact meaning behind he didn't say you should not eat even if he had said that he meant he you need not eat why you are of my image as my image you are not con- conditioned by thirst or hunger or this or that because i am never hungry i am never thirsty is it not so is god ever hungry huh i am asking you no certainly there's no doubt about it that's why whatever we offer there we take it back if he is really hungry he would have swallowed everything and then he will never see another plate afterwards 
and that's the end of all of our offerings. <laughs> we are sure that God never eats everything that we offer. That's why we bring plate full of things. Come on, take this banana, take this apple, take this, eat this, eat this, eat this. <laughs> we know positively that he is not going to eat and so we are very generous. Come on. <laughs> And then we say, well, probably you don't like it anymore, okay, they will get spoiled, at least we will finish it. <laughs> so we offer not for the sake of God, but ultimately for us. We simply use His name. So, that means God is above these physical or even mental changes. He is above emotions, he is above physical conditions. So God told the man, the first man, Adam, Hi, my little boy, you are of my image. You are above all these things. So you are never hungry and you don't need to eat that fruit to satisfy your hunger because you are never hungry. That means Remember your spiritual nature. I have simply clothed you with a physical form. The body might need certain things, but not you. I am getting into a little Vedantic part. Yeah. See, behind the humor there must be some substance also. The real you is never hungry. But you seem to be knowing all that is happening in the body and mind. You are the knower, you simply know, that's all. That is that common knowing behind. I know I am happy. I know I am unhappy. I know I am angry. I know I am hungry. I know I must eat the fruit. I know I am eating the fruit. I know I am satisfied now. See, the knowing is behind everything. And that is the real you. If you ever call somebody as you, it is that knowing. That's why know thyself. Know the knower. <laughs> 